hear me. А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая. Лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? Вот кто я? Отныне русские земля единый быть. Hello, my name's Ali, and this is the Roos Files Unite podcast, uh, where we watch a Russian film or a film with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today my guest is Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Ali. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. So, Malcolm, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and the sort of things that you get up to? Uh, sure. Well, uh, right now I am the creator and... We still haven't landed on a title. Uh, King, head chair, CEO of uh, Comrade Radio Network, the podcast network uh, with a bunch of different great independent shows on it. Um, that's kind of mostly my job right now is is like a podcast network administrator, but I'm also working on some side projects that'll, fingers crossed, be ready in the next couple months. You know, occasional guest appearances on random podcasts. Uh <laughs> Yes, yeah, lots of lots of guesting, lots of uh, messaging my friends asking if I could be on their <laughs> on their programs. All right, so um, before you had the 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 network, um, how did you? Well, how did the whole network thing start? Uh, I think I was in a larger Facebook group that was just basically a sort of just a fan group or something else, and quite a few of us had shows and would sometimes splinter off into subgroups to talk about each other's shows and give advice. And I found a couple that I really enjoyed that were outstanding. And um, I think what happened was the first thing we ever did was just, I took a good friend of mine and just did a host swap just for fun. Uh, we took, we took over each other's concepts for one episode and then, you know, hoping to drum up interest in, uh, in a different show for our listeners. And then we thought, why not do more of that kind of stuff all the time? Got a little more organized, started aggressively headhunting for shows, you know, going on my, uh, on my phone and downloading 20, 30 to try and throwing out the bad ones and then starting to email people and ask if they're interested and just kind of snowballs from there. And then uh, you sort of over time build a, a community and, the hosts have become really good friends with each other and love doing crossovers and new projects together and I don't know anything we want yeah I mean the and it's the the great thing uh, about the medium um is that just anywhere in the English speaking world where people can have a a microphone and a computer then you can you know you can record a podcast so that's one of the things I really like about your network is that it is it is it isn't just um, American shows it's it's right across the world isn't it 
Yeah, um, we have a yeah we have a couple. I I'd love to have more. It's just the trick is just finding them, sure. and you know, um, yeah. But I, I don't think we have any two people in the network that uh, live in the same uh, area remotely, unless uh, they're the two that are sisters. But everybody else is in a different uh, region, multiple time zones, continents, and uh, yeah, a lot of us have never met in real life. We hope to, you know, within within a year or so for a a meetup or something, but yeah, it's uh it's all <laughs> internet based and remote and we love it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like we're not living through the best time, but when I think about stuff like this, I think eh, actually the, the, the opportunities in terms of what you can do now are incredible. And I'm sure like people who lived before, if they heard like, what we could do now, they'd just be like, wow, I'd kind of kill for that. Maybe not kill, but, you know, I would love to have yeah. that opportunity. That's a much better way of putting that. Um. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do push back against that kind of hacky idea that all the kids are just staring at their phones these days. And, and, you know, just kind of those cliche, like, back in my day, we'd go outside and breathe fresh air. But I, I've made incredible connections that would never, 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 ever happen. I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't be talking to a lot of my friends if it weren't for a couple of internet-based coincidences in a chain that led me here. I wouldn't even be in podcasts um, if it wasn't for, you know, social media and kind of the easy share nature of it. So I may, okay, look, maybe the AI takes over in a couple of years and I'll change my tune. But right now I'm, I'm never going to bash internet culture at all uh, because it's kind of become, you know, my life and my um, hobby slash like, hopeful career yeah basically well i mean like anything it has or like most things it has its its uh, its upsides and its and its downsides and it's in the right hands it's an incredible tool sorry i got a bit preachy there but um but yeah i'm totally totally like you in terms of like the yeah just really hating it when people say oh yeah people you know kids these days it's like people have been saying kids these days since there's been generations you know so kids yeah <laughs> you know and it's just gonna take different forms but uh, but anyway so it kind of implied this but we haven't really talked about it before the network there was there was your own show um i mean i'm i'm a big fan but uh, could you tell the listeners a, a, about the concept uh, of that what that was okay yeah sure um yeah so we I did one with my best friend before the network started called APOC Radio. Very silly. Basically, it was a partial culture review show and partial like comedy fiction show where my friend and I played Survivors of the Apocalypse that were in a town all by themselves, found a radio and started broadcasting to hopefully find people. And then while they were on the air, they would talk about a movie they watched or video games or other pop culture and entertainment concepts um and (laughs) yeah it was just really it was really goofy i liked it a lot um for the most part it was pretty straightforward we would just pick a movie off netflix and talk about it or make a top five list or try and come up with an interesting concept and every once in a great while there'd be like an event that would happen in that world that would challenge us or be sort of humorous or dangerous um a nefarious englishman would turn up or something like that 
<laughs> right. So our friend Owen uh, from the network came in as a character one time that came to stay with us, and it turned out he wasn't everything he seemed to be, and we began to quarrel, and it got uncomfortable. Um, we did a whole month where Justin and I uh, had a falling out and split <laughs> yeah. split the just town a, in half. Just a bit. It was kind of a, a, a DMZ almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we started two competing radio stations for that month only and started like pranking each other and the pranks escalated and got uh, dangerous. Uh, <laughs> there were silly sketches and um, goofy ads and stuff. It was It was a really fun project. We've... We wrapped it up to move on to other things, but I do have a I do have a special place in my heart for it. Yeah, I mean it was it was a it was a great show. I I loved how how varied it was, and you just kind of I mean it was mostly discussing movies, but you guys um, have a sort of overlapping but slightly different tastes, and both quite eclectic. So that meant that there was always like a you know an interesting angle to it. Um, one of the shows I really I really liked that you did. Uh, was on, I guess you'd call them non-English language films. Um, so films from outside uh, Britain, the USA, and well, I mean, Australia and New Zealand make films, I'm sure, and you get the odd South African one. But yeah, non-English language one. And it was mainly about Amelie. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, then you sort of brought other foreign language films in. So I knew from that that you weren't completely averse to uh as i think one of you put it reading a film um <laughs> um so that was one of the reasons i thought you might be interested in doing this uh this podcast so my question then is have you seen amongst your non-english language cinema watching any russian films when I knew I was going to do this, I was racking my brain because I had a feeling that would come up and I couldn't think of any for the life of me. Um, when I was starting to really seriously get into film, I would do the back when, in the days of the Netflix disc to your door uh, delivery system. I set it up to get like three at once and I, and I timed it out. So I would <laughs> I would return them. I would send I would send a disc back in the mail and then I would go on the website and I would report it missing. <laughs> so they would so they would send the next disc in right away and then when my submission came in they reported it found so I would like I would be cutting corners on the turnaround period cuz I want to watch movies so fast. That's, that's admirably devious. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't stealing anything. No, I just wanted no. to like skip the whole <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh and so I would just go through top 100 lists and top foreign lists and the greatest of all, just different people's essentials. And I try to watch a lot of foreign stuff, a lot of the, you know, the the French stuff and the Italian stuff, eight and a half, all that, all that goodness. Uh, but I, I really, I don't know of many, that many classic Russian films. Like I probably just name a couple at the top of my head, yeah. uh, just, just from seeing like the poster or something. Sure. And then when I finally just <laughs> before this Googled famous Russian films, <laughs> I realized uh, years ago I saw Nightwatch. Oh yes, yeah, I've I've seen that. Which one. is yeah. basically Russian X Men. Sort of, yeah, Russian X Men just with vampires. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I barely remember it, and it, it clearly didn't stick with me. But 
sure, check. I have seen one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I won't. I, I won't sort of like uh, press you for further details. Then, if you, yeah, I mainly remember people racing around Moscow in an ambulance and thinking, yeah, yeah, at least they've got the driving quite accurate. Because um, uh, <laughs> yes, um, I'm not normally a nervous passenger, but in my time in Russia, let's just say I took the metro all the time and really tried to avoid getting in a car because just it feels like yeah like you're just constantly seeing your own death like five seconds before it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yes um maybe we just don't have the uh have the stomach for it so so yeah it's fair to say that this is a, a bit of a an area of yeah uh sort of a, a gap in your sort of cinematic easily whatever and it yeah. it wasn't intentional uh, I, I would just sort of seek out classics. I didn't look at the country. I would just try and grab whatever I got. And I I am completely uneducated to this, but I, I would just be curious if or why Russia doesn't have as many, or at least to my knowledge, as many entries into the, you know, the world stage of, of, of classics the way like maybe like the French and Italians do. If there are cultural reasons or political reasons that they don't have as many entries, or there may be some I'm I'm missing, like you know, uh, you did uh, Battleship Potemkin, oh, um, yeah. classic Schmasic, and that's like probably the one I've heard of, and then the modern one I've heard of will be Russian Arc, just mm, for yeah, like, yeah. At, just like the film student the checklist, sort of basically, gimmicky like, thing that it has yeah. about it. Yeah, I I literally just bought that in the last week, and I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but I'm I'm thinking that's I've almost duty bound by the sort of the remit of the podcast to do that at some point but yeah i think you're right it's it's a combination of uh of probably political and cultural reason and i'm not sure but i i suspect that their output in the soviet union wasn't a ton of films and also just a lot of russian cultural products is uh, a very kind of like russo centric and kind of like it's it's almost like potentially harder to uh to get into if you don't if you're coming at them cold um but uh, hey i guess the advantage of what we're watching today is that it's is it something that that doesn't necessarily have that but yeah so i'm technically cheating a little bit because i think it was originally a tv movie and sort of in two parts but it is the hound of the baskervilles so it's some sherlock holmes um, from uh, 1981, um, starring uh, Vasily Livanov as Sherlock and Vitaly Solomin as as Watson. So um, yeah, the reason I got you on for this one was um, was another APOC episode uh, where you were talking about um, Sherlock in general, but especially um, the fact that I'm calling it Sherlock rather than Sherlock Holmes. You know indicates that it was about the it's working yes yes they they have successfully uh yes brainwashed me into into uh yeah thinking that the um recent slash kind of ongoing uh british series is sort of the definitive uh version but um but yeah so you're a big sherlock holmes fan could you tell me a bit like uh, how you got into that and you know versions you've liked versions you haven't liked um oh uh, sure um that was one my, when I was a kid. My dad had the big volume with everything. Oh, cool! Yes, yeah. The original uh, illustrations, Sidney Paget, maybe. Oh, Is that yeah. I think, ringing a bell. Yes, I think I've heard of him because he was the guy to give him the pipe, the deerstalker, and possibly the yeah, yeah. the deerstalker as well. So that's where that comes. from. Even yeah. when it wasn't, even before it was even written about, mm. I think he drew him that way, and now it's just a Sherlock Holmes hat. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, if you don't know what a deerstalker is, you you just go. It's this the Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah. I know now. I know what kind of headgear we're we're, we're discussing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are great because you can uh, you could read them in a you could read them in a sitting because they were mm-hmm. they were magazine length yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. They were they were printed in the strand. So, um, my dad read the first one he ever read to me out loud was the Five Orange Pips, hmm. which was terrifying probably still one of the scariest ones <laughs> um because it had like a a murderous secret organization and mm. in at least in the way i remember that story is when they marked you by sending you those those orange pips you will die okay so it's kind <laughs> and of just like that was the scariest idea sort of non-piratical <laughs> version of the black spot kind of thing to uh yes uh, quote more yeah. victorian literature um yeah well, I mainly know that food through the Muppets, but anyway. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I just I when I super highbrow here became an eager when I became an eager young reader, I would just uh, you know eat those up, and mm. they were nice and bite sized. I actually inherited uh, my parents are fine, but I inherited that <laughs> yeah. book. Um, it's on my shelf right now, and it's it's a it's a treasure. That's, to that's me. the best kind of inheritance I find. <laughs> Yeah, uh, everyone. Everyone agrees to uh, to part company heartily. Yes, yeah. <laughs> whilst still, still, uh, yeah. And then we'll, when I was still at home, we started. Uh, we would watch some of the. We'd borrow the Jeremy Brett A and E, I think, uh, adaptations from the library. See, I'm just hearing and when those you hate, really say um, A and E, I'm just hearing accident and emergency. So, <laughs> or, or, what, or what you call the call the ER. So, um, yeah, yeah. I guess that was. I, th- I think you said it was Gren- Granada on the episode, which I really. It is to. Granada. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, so it's. Uh, oh, maybe maybe A and E acquired it and did a reprint or something. Yeah. I, I don't know why that's ringing a bell for me, but. Sorry, throwing you off your stride there. Um, no, no, and uh, that guy, like, defines the role for many people, uh, probably even beyond Basil Rathbone. I I, I would assume he just. Uh, is the like the key figure? Yeah, I mean Basil Rathbone definitely gets gets mentioned, but it's sort of long enough ago that just people in general, unless they're really into films from sort of an earlier era, probably aren't gonna see those. I guess. Um, right. Yeah, um, it's interesting because um, Jeremy Brett has totally passed me by somehow, despite you know it being a, a British production. I just totally missed it. In terms of my own introduction, it's. <laughs> it's a bit more embarrassing actually i think um my general awareness of there being a character called sherlock holmes probably came through the disney movie uh basil the great mouse detective <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um which i haven't seen in years but i remember it being sort of pretty entertaining and and fun but you know you're a kid so you're not necessarily the most discerning and the villain just being very insistent on the fact that he was a mouse despite being called ratigan and being very clearly a rat um but obviously the the fact that he's basil is probably a is a connection back to to rathbone being yes and um totally uh incidentally but in a kind of geeky way um our uh, Sherlock in this version, he is also a Basil because Vasily is the Russian form of uh, of Basil. So there is a bit of a Basil thing going on. I never knew that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the cathedral that everyone knows 
um, in the West as St. Basil's is uh, Sabor Vasilia Blagenova. So it's, uh, yeah, Basil, Basil the Blessed or Vasily the Blessed. So, uh, yes, some Russian trivia just thrown in there. <laughs> um, but to, I'll take that. I'll remember that forever. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, as far as um, more sort of reputable versions that I've come across, when I was at university, I used to listen to digital radio versions of the Sherlock Holmes stories with Clive Merrison. I don't know if you've come across his version. Um, he's like he's one of those actors who kind of goes between TV and radio and probably done some film work, but not necessarily a easily recognisable face. But he was, he's a really great version because he has that kind of, that sort of sharp, slightly harsh, almost almost kind of rude um you know not great social skills um yeah but uh, but also kind of getting the the sort of the brilliance as uh, as well um so that's a version i really like um how do you feel about the the most recent uh versions the uh robert downey jr films and then the oh <laughs> so all right so yeah let's i'll give you the quick rundown yeah. i I think I only saw the pilot of Elementary, which is the mm. Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu one. Um, didn't stick with me. Yeah. It, maybe it gets great. I have no, I have no idea either way. That's um, a modern sort of take, isn't it? Yeah, there were two modernizations yeah. sort of at the same time. Um, the Downey ones, I remember enjoying the first one, but it's not Sherlock Holmes. Mm. It's just, it's just a steampunk buddy cop movie. Sort of, yeah, uh, fun knockabout. Yeah. Yeah. Um more like more weird gears and and contraptions and guns and like fist fights than anything else. It's it's not the tone. Yeah. It's... They really latched on to the fact that from the books um he's, you know, it's sort of mentioned a couple of times in passing that he can handle himself in a fist fight. And they're just like, "Right, that's all the excuse we need. Slow mo <laughs> fights it will be." But yeah, yeah. sorry I interrupted your uh no, it's fine. It, those those slow-mo scenes are interesting and that's probably one of the cooler takeaways from mm, the film, but Yeah, it's, it definitely it's sticks with not, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the second one of those was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on the plane so and I was sort of half asleep, so I I thought that's it was even terrible worse. too, but I didn't know whether I was really judging it on its merits. It's tall. It's it's uh it's small, terrible and I'm sleepy, so <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah, so everything is working against it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at the time you heard and that I recorded that APOC episode mm. about Sherlock, I was talking about my favorite episode of it. Yes. Which is season three, episode two, the wedding one. Mm. Yeah. Which is I still think is incredible. Um it is the 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 heartfelt character stuff they do in between the two of them, um, how they weave in a mystery in between all that, but it's not too distracting. Yeah, because that's quite a the, juggling the writing, the, as a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bachelor party is smart and hilarious. Um, I yeah, that episode's incredible. Since then, season four came out, and uh, it was really bad. I so. <laughs> caught the odd bit when it was on on TV, and I, you know, I'd not gone out of my way to actually watch it. So obviously, just seeing little bits is not going to help. But I just would see five minutes a time at a time, and just kind of go, "This just looks like tosh." Um. <laughs> So, and also since then, I watched the entirety of Doctor Who, the oh, modern okay. Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, uh, 10 seasons. And P- 
people give Stephen Moffat a hard time. Mm. Uh, rightly so. I think, I think as a writer, he has some blind spots. Um, yeah, he, sometimes he sets up like way too big concepts that aren't actually interesting for anybody. And they're more like, you just kind of roll your eyes like, okay, great. Uh, or, or, or he does gymnastics. He does this massive leap and it just like, yeah, you're never going to land that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be Does messy. not land the plane at all. Yeah. Uh, and and sometimes doesn't do great with female characters oh, and, yeah. and like, like killing them just for you know bas- fridging, fridging them basically yeah, just yeah, to yeah. motivate people yeah so I mean and then there was the whole business with Irene Adler what was that about yeah just modernizing the character yeah. and just going oh well she'll be a dominatrix spoiler alert I guess um, yeah it's weird it's just like that's not an imaginative way of doing it I mean it's you know. I don't know. So when people think that, I, I, I'll give him that. But then all, also on the whole, his dialogue day to day is incredible. And the way he presents like forensics or sci-fi, you know, jibber jabber speak is incredible. Yeah. And so I, I, I still like his seasons of Doctor Who the best. And I still like Sherlock a lot for stuff like the wedding episode. Mm. But if if the best Moffat is the wedding and hilarious, like, Sherlock toasts, the worst Moffat is, like, giving Sherlock a sister and a brother that he never remembered in one episode, and <laughs> fridging a character that was, like, supposed to be someone's uh, wife, and just, like, a lot of... <laughs> Spoilers, I guess, yeah, whatever, yeah, guys, yeah. but <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> so, like, it, it was basically the worst of it all at once, and really off-putting yeah it's not like you get occasional their little bits of their downsides kind of spread evenly across the whole batch it's just like nope they're all it's like buses you know you have all three arriving at the same time um yeah, yeah. and i i think like the 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 peak worst of it is like i said giving sherlock siblings he completely forgot about and then putting him in a saw room where he has to solve challenges or people will die it's it's <laughs> yeah it's like you're better than this that's 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 just as offensive as as the robert downey jr interpretation because you're you're totally leaving behind what the story is supposed to be mm. which is a, which is a magazine serial and and trying to make it this grand thing that didn't work but yeah so on the whole i i think like season four is bad and then There'll be a bad episode here or there you can skip, but mm. there are at least like four or five really solid Sherlock episodes that I'll watch over and over because the actors and the writers are doing such a good job. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was the thing that was a real revelation as far as how good Martin Freeman was. Because, I mean, before that, yeah. I'd only seen him in The Office and he was, you know, he was good, but that was the thing where I saw him do a really different character to the tim guy you know it's kind of like oh yeah this guy because often actors just play i mean robert downey jr is a sort of a bit of an example i'm sure he i'm sure he has range but he has a you know he has a standard character that he does unless you ask him to do something really different um so yeah i mean maybe it's unfair to say his sherlock holmes is just um his uh tony stark with a british accent but you know they're not a million miles apart (laughs) <laughs> right so yeah um but um in terms of like not staying true to the spirit of things i guess i'd say because it's such there's such war, well-worn characters you know beloved that people will always do a version every sort of 10 15 years so it's kind of like 
if you're going to do it, how do you justify the fact that you're doing this again, you know? Um, yeah. So um, I guess my fear for watching this version is that it's just going to be too trad and boring and just like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I guess it's a slight risk that I chose Hound of the Baskervilles because it's so well known. But I thought the advantage of choosing that one is... Well, I think it's the best regarded of this of this bunch. I mean, they're all, you know, well thought of, uh, but this is supposed to be the best one. And also because it is quite well known, it means you've it's a, you've got a better framework for comparison, I guess. Yeah. Um, how about you? What are you sort of looking forward to slash really not looking forward to about this version? Just, you know. Maybe just going totally uh, off prejudices or whatever. But. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it's very long. Yeah, two and a half <laughs> hours running time, you'd be warned. Right. And uh, as kind of we were, as as I was saying before, um, if you have something that's very research-based, forensic, you know, uh, lots of examinations and evidence, to me that is some of the hardest material to get correct mm. in dialogue in anything. Yeah, yeah. If you just have two characters standing at angles <laughs> with a couple camera flips and they're just and the one guy with the info dumps a lot and then leaves room for the other guy to go, "Why?" Yeah. And the other guy dumps a lot wow. and then, but that <laughs> would me mean and then right, and then it's just it, you get a lot of lopsided conversation where one person's explaining. Mm. And so I feel like that would be even harder uh, in another language, without the yeah. like, like the nuance of speech. If I was just reading that, yeah. Um, and and yeah, like we talked about, uh, I, I I hope that this is more true to the character, or heck, even just make a stab at what what these filmmakers think the character is. Mm-hmm. But if it's just two detectives that happen to have the names, I I won't be happy. And one of them wearing you know. a deer stalker, which I think deer exactly. stalkers are worn. Yeah. So that's that tradition is maintained. But uh yeah, no, definitely definitely valid concerns and yeah, especially the subtitles aspect, that could make it really tedious. I mean if I could just shoot for the moon and and get my genie wish, uh getting back to Sherlock, like the way they make him so sociopathic and really like constantly missing cues and hurting people's feelings i don't expect we'll get that no 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 that at all but i mean look you're just asking and if if right now this movie could be anything so like more of that would be awesome but (laughs) yeah how much of a jerk is sherlock gonna be and also how much is uh is this film gonna sort of suffer from uh idiot watson syndrome (laughs) exactly and that's yeah and that's another thing that that the freeman version does so well is that he is he has equal agency i've never seen that done even in something really good mm. like the jeremy brett ones or even the original writings uh watson is just totally he's he's the guy holding the camera in a found footage movie i mean it's he 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 could be an omniscient narrator but the the guy wanted there to be two characters honestly yeah, yeah. um he's not really important in the original in the original text so like if I'm, if I'm going to be a little pessimistic, I, I expect more of that, and that's just that's that's the text. So I wouldn't blame them for just kind of copying. Yeah, it, but... yeah. You can to an extent you're only working with the with the material, and sometimes you kind of think, well, we have to keep it the way that it is, otherwise people are going to hammer us for not reading it properly and just going, it's not right. like that. But I mean, 
But once you've seen Watson as an equal, it's so hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, um, obviously Vasily Levanov, who plays Charlotte, gets the main props, but uh, uh, Vitaly uh, Solomon is is uh, also people say that he's he's really good, and um, I mean, um, actually. Levanov got like a, a sort of honorary award like about 10 years ago mostly on the basis of his Sherlock performance but Great. there's a statue outside the British embassy um in Moscow that was unveiled again about 10 years ago uh, but that statue is Sherlock Holmes and Watson but it's these two actors portraying them so it's it was kind of cool. like a a little nod to you know we think you guys did a did a good job so um so that yeah it seems that seems to be like sherlock fans appreciate them so i'm hoping it's it's going to be of a of a a pretty good standard also the thing i'm most one of the things i'm most looking forward to is seeing my country and you know my nationality through russian eyes which you don't really have the opportunity to do very much i mean i'm quite used to seeing um uh, american takes on british people and you know some more sensitive so, sorry than by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i'm somehow gonna hold hold you sort of uh responsible sort of collectively That's for... <laughs> more than fair it's <laughs> oh well yeah i mean my my wife's american so i can definitely say that um we don't always have the most positive image of of americans and she will she will you know point it out to me like and i'm like yeah, I had not noticed how casually anti-American we can be. Until... <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible, isn't it? The whole, um, you know, you're not aware of it until it affects somebody you care about. I mean, ugh. anyway, I think that's a whole, whole different discussion. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we've covered our expect- expectations and, you know, hopes and fears for this version pretty well. But before we launch into it... Um, I know from the show that you're quite you're not averse to doing the odd accent or a voice. Um your Peter no, Laurie your Peter Laurie is 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 one that I'm I'm quite envious of. But um, Oh, it's very kind. But so I'm going to you might be a bit more comfortable than so <laughs> I inflicted this on on all my guests. I get you to say a little bit of Russian and uh, the bit of Russian I get you to say is it's you know everyone knows what neil armstrong said when he um landed on the moon um one small step for man etc um well in russian similarly famous is the words that, or the word that yuri gagarin said when he's going off into space um it's a bit more prosaic essentially what he said is off we go or we're off <laughs> so, <laughs> and the word for that in russian is Payechali. All right. So one more time. Payechali. Payechali. Excellent. Okay. So one, two, three. Payechali.
Hello and welcome back. We have just watched Hounds of the Baskervilles, or uh, if you prefer, Sabaka Baskerville. And before we get into uh, what we thought of it, we're just going to have a quick uh, summary from Malcolm. But before we do, this is obviously it's a mystery. So if you don't, if you haven't watched it yet, and you don't want to know how it ends, this is probably your time to pause the podcast and get back to us uh, when you've watched the thing. So. Uh, with that spoiler out uh, warning out of the way, over to you, Malcolm. Well, the, for those same folks, the good news is they can listen for at least uh, another two minutes because, um, well, we'll <laughs> we'll work up to it. But I, this was a really long movie, and I sort of faded in and out. And if I missed something, it was kind of gone for good because of the nature of subtitles and the way stories assume things so i (laughs) i'm missing things too so i don't know how much i'll be able to spoil um in fact oh let's see like if i'm trying to give a summary holmes and watson are in their office and oh my god (laughs) i have so much less of this than i thought i did (laughs) that's all right So we have a little bit of a sort of like intro, like it's non-related scene where they're just, it's mostly not related. They're sort of talking back and forth about, I don't even remember now, that that intro scene is not really related. It's just like, hey guys, Holmes and Watson are back and we're going to go on an adventure. It's kind of like that. And then after that, you have this this scene where this slightly weird um, uh, young dude comes in and he's uh, and he's talking to uh, Holmes and Watson um, about a a uh, a thing that's happened near where he lives. Um, a murder. Someone near where he lived was murdered. Yes, <laughs> I got that. I got that part. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was. I don't know. Are there any uh, Sherlock Holmes stories when? Yeah, I, I guess some yeah, of them are about with, thefts, yeah. but they're mostly about murders. Yeah, so it's probably not too big a spoiler to say, yeah, somebody dies. Um, okay, um, so this person who dies, who is that? Uh, someone Baskerville. Okay, yes, so it is <laughs> Sir Charles Baskerville of uh, <laughs> the Baskerville uh, uh, family, and they live... Um, I don't even remember exactly. I think it's down in Devon, which if you don't know your British geography that well is quite a ways down from uh from london in insofar as anything is uh far if you if you live in the uk that's that's the thing when you when you meet americans and especially when you meet russians the british conception of a long way suddenly seems a little yeah. bit silly um yeah uh, so they live in the moors down in, in in devon um and he owns an estate um, but is now dead <laughs> um, in rather mysterious circumstances. Um, and it turns out that there is this legend that goes back you know, a couple of hundred years uh, that this this beast, this uh, hellhound, is supposed to haunt the, uh, the family and bring bad luck to uh, the heir to the family uh, estate. And it seems like, at least according to this visitor to Holmes and Watson, that the um, the hound has uh, has struck again uh, with uh, with this latest murder, but of course Sherlock Holmes, being who he is, um, he has he has his thoughts about this. So um, essentially, they uh, they decide that somebody has to has to go and investigate the case, but Holmes decides that he's 
that he's too busy to do it uh, right now. So he sends his uh, trusty uh, Watson down to uh, uh, to investigate uh, and see if he can uh, figure out uh, what's going on. Um, I always forget that that's a part of this story. I've seen it, obviously, in English, and I've read it in English. Um, and maybe proportionally, if you're doing... You know, if if you're reading a short story that could be read in 45 minutes, or you're watching an hour of TV, Sherlock's out of out of the picture for a little while, mm, and we get yeah, to watch yeah. Watson. But proportionally to a two and a half hour movie, there's an hour of no Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, it's so much. <laughs> that was something that I must admit. I had forgotten because I probably read the book about 10 years ago and I knew uh, Holmes drops out of the picture for a certain amount of time. But in hindsight, I think I probably would have chosen a different episode if if, if I'm honest. Um, but I just thought, well, House of the Baskervilles, it's kind of like one of the classic Sherlock Holmes stories. So if we're going to see an ad- adaptation of anything, uh, we should see this one. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, best laid plans uh, uh, and all that. So, yeah, um, Watson investigates uh, the murder for, as you said, quite some time. He kind of makes a certain amount of progress. Um, uh, we sh- uh, Yeah, major detail I've, I've missed out uh, is he is partly there to investigate the murder, but he's also there to keep an eye on the, uh, the new Baskerville heir, which is a... a I guess a a youngish guy called uh, called Sir Henry, who's uh, who's uh, on finding that he's inherited the Baskerville estate, has come back over from Canada where he had apparently uh, been living. Um, so he's uh, he's gone to his family estate, and you know he's he's not necessarily a full believer in the curse, but as things go on, I think. It's fair to say he gets increasingly worried that something's going to happen to him. And we also... This is not helped by uh, the uh, the staff who live at the uh, at Baskerville Hall, the, the butler and um, uh, his wife, who I guess is sort of like a... Works, the, works in the kitchen there because... Yeah, they're, they're a little bit... They're a bit, a bit strange. They're not really uh, putting him at, at their ease. Um so we have kind of various investigations uh, by Watson. They meet uh, a number of different people in the locality. Um, and uh, eventually it sort of turns out that there's um, a couple of people hiding out on on the moor, one of which is an escaped convict, just to kind of uh, put some extra danger into the mix. And, and also um, someone else mysterious, to kind of cut a long story short, that mysterious person turns out to be uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, he has uh, used his claiming to be busy as sort of a ruse, and he's just been observing things kind of secretly, uh, so so he can figure it out. And and Watson's kind of uh, sort of drawing the attention of the of the uh, the people in the locality while while he conducts his. Uh, own investigation so to to round uh round things up uh one night 
in the middle of the night. I can't even quite remember myself why exactly this happens, but uh, uh, Sir Henry Baskerville goes out into the middle of the night onto the moor, which he has been expressly told not to do, and uh, Watson uh, follows him, and we have an encounter with the uh, with the hound, which turns out is just a it's a regular dog, albeit a very very big dog. Um, and it's be, it has had its face painted with phosphorus to give it this this scary glow. The hound nearly mani- well does leap on um, on Sir Henry, but Lestrade, who is uh, um, the Scotland Yard inspector colleague, I guess of of Holmes and Watson, manages to shoot the hound dead before before it manages to finish off Sir Henry. So Sir Henry lives, he, uh, the curse uh, has been sort of unmasked, and the neighbour, Stapleton, who we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, he, it turns out, was behind this, uh, this whole uh, scheme um, okay. uh, with, with the dog. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Good to know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I I'm really going to sound like I haven't seen this and I I did but oh it's <laughs> yeah and ta-da, that's yeah the end so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Sta- Stapleton meet gets his just uh, desserts when he runs off uh, into the uh, uh, the sort of the bogs and the and the moor uh, that surrounds uh, the Baskerville estate, and he essentially drowns in in the mud, and it's a horrible, horrible death for him. So that's what happens if you try and murder people with phosphorus painted dogs. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, another podcast uh, I listened to the. Um, Please don't send me into out, outer space. Their thing that they do at the end of every episode is. Uh, uh, what was your lesson from this movie? And I guess that would be the lesson from this one. Don't <laughs> yeah. try and murder people with elaborate cursed dogs. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, I guess from what we've already heard from you, Malcolm, this hasn't made a spectacular impression on you. <laughs> so let's let me open with this, and then we can we can proceed. I I really like foreign films. I like experiencing other cultures. I like watching. Any masterpiece, no matter what. Um, although there, I mean, obviously there are going to be inherent obstacles uh, from you know lots of reading, and uh, there. I think there were a couple of times in the film, at least once, where someone was speaking off screen, mm. and the one the guy on screen recognized them by the voice, and I couldn't because I don't, I can't tell their voices apart just because of the yeah. way the dialect is. Um, and I think I'm realizing when I watch the great foreign films, a lot of the time I'm connecting to um, imagery, emotions, um, you know, great dialogue and snappy dialogue uh, for a lot of it as well. And I think I just found that something this with this much going to another parlor, sitting down, having a conversation about, you know, who was the mother and what happened to her that we've never met and who the heir is and what you were doing last night and why is this locked? And it's the kind of thing that it's, um, I, I think we, we hold memories for that better with speech than if we're reading mm. it. Um, and so it, it kind of flies out of my head a little bit and it is two and a half hours long. <laughs> it is, it is long. Now, yeah. 
only slightly in its defense, it is broken in half. Their like credits roll at the halfway mark. I think it was meant to be two TV episodes or whatever. But yeah, that's that's right. It could be an hour <laughs> easily. This story could be an hour, maybe yeah. an hour fifteen. I mean, there's so much just walking over and having a conversation with a fancy guy out on the planes and then going into a room and having a fancy conversation with a fancy guy and have a conversation with the maid and then the neighbor. And it's just so much. So like, I'm going to come across as someone who like didn't quite do the homework or, you know, was on my phone the whole time, but you know, I did get distracted here and there, but it's just, it was after a certain point, it got, it got really difficult. Um, yeah, um, during the process of of Malcolm uh, uh, watching watching this, I got a I got a text message that was just it was just long with like the sort of like five O's or whatever. And I was kind of like, I'm sorry, I've Aww. made you do this. And uh, yeah, sorry to kind of let that one uh, out. Of no, the bag. no, it's the cat. It's the, fair. The, the the cat is out of the bag, or should I say? the dog or even the hound yeah sorry (laughs) Um, yeah um but that's that's all that's that's fine i mean you know it's it's still it's still a good experience and there's there's things to take away i enjoyed things about it uh but those were the hurdles uh especially with something this something that's forensic and fact-based with a lot of very dry monotone speaking (laughs) exposition yeah Yeah, yeah. that is really tough to do i mean i don't like that in american tv either (laughs) i don't like really like forensic stuff that's just has no character to it and just is a lot of dumping so you know i'm not gonna pin that on anybody that's just that's just not great um yeah um this didn't occur to me at the time that i sort of chose this this one uh i picked this one out um but you talking about the sort of the great films of of foreign cinema it it kind of occurs to me that i think with those a lot of the time because certainly america is so associated with early cinema i imagine in a lot of cases if you're making a film you're kind of think you even if you're mostly and um aiming at a sort of domestic or audience you probably still have like half a thought to you know we'll probably want to show this in countries beyond um beyond the country that it's that it's made oh in. absolutely there that there's um, a reason that you know the transformers movies as as even though critics can't stand them do incredibly well in China and internationally and and things like Marvel movies and Pacific Rim do well it's that you don't need to grasp almost anything that's being said you can just kind of get on the ride yeah whereas this was made very much for a domestic soviet audience yes and yeah they i guess their attitude was like well People who understand Russian will get this, and we don't really care if anyone else, if no one else does, because they're not probably going to watch it. Right. Um, so I guess that different mentality kind of comes across, and it's also made for TV um, rather than being made for the big screen. So it mm-hmm. probably is more leaning on on the dialogue than than on the on the visuals. But we can get onto the visuals um, later. Um, what did you think of? the this version of of the characters Holmes and Watson um i thought they were fine 
I, we, we did the, in the pre-segment, we, we supposed how it would go. Um, it's about, about exactly what I thought. I think, uh, I think Holmes had a really striking look about him, kind of like a maybe slightly gaunt face or in any, like, apart from Robert Downey Jr., any, any good Holmes, I think has like, like a weird jaw or a sharp angular look to him and i think they i think they got that um yeah Watts, downey jr is a, is a little bit too sort of conventionally good looking yeah to, yeah uh, and watson was watson you know he was just kind of walked around and asked questions like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah. The, the it was and oh and now the thing is we could be missing any or especially me could be missing any level of nuance that comes from um differences in tone mm, and yeah and you know what what you and i are doing now to communicate how we feel i'm just reading so i don't know yeah, how yeah. much the guys are really dumping into the characters but by the dialogue like sometimes it was sometimes the dialogue was fun i'll admit there were little uh bits here and there it does open with uh some of you know the deduction game that sherlock does when he guesses where people have been recently and and all that and that's that's a staple and I'm always glad to yeah. see that. Um but yeah, just uh about what I expected. Just Yeah. So checks out. not a disaster, but you know, it's kind of yeah, what you what you'd expect. Right. I mean, the only thing I'd add there is um is I really if you do understand the the Russian and you're or even not like fully understand cuz my Russian is it's pretty decent. I like I find the the subtitles are, are very nice to have. I um yeah, I if you if you're used to kind of tuning your ear into the different voices, Holmes has he has you know quite a it's not even a deep voice, but it's quite it sounds like he has smoked that pipe an awful lot because it has <laughs> this sort of like slightly cracked uh, sort of gravelly tone, which I guess I hadn't really imagined um, Holmes having in I hadn't necessarily seen that in other um, depictions, but. Just yeah, there's something about his tone where he has sort of the gravitas that you would expect from from that character, but he also has perhaps a bit more. And admittedly, it's a long time since I've seen the the Cumberbatch version, so my memory may not check out. But he seems to have a bit more of a sense of of fun. Yes, I saw that right away. Yeah, yeah. The, it, at the beginning, it's sort of Holmes is pretending that he's making this sort of clever deduction. But he's actually just um he's just seeing what Watson is doing uh from a reflection in a surface. And Mrs. Hudson says, uh, you you know he's just looking at the reflection and Holmes is like, <laughs> Yeah, that 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 was um, a, a very, very early flag that I was like, Okay, they're not doing the sociopath thing. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh an interesting note that uh that Carrie, uh, uh my wife who watched it with me, picked up, which I um, I only noticed when I was really uh, zo- sort of zooming in on it is um, that in Russian you have like in French or Spanish you have like a formal you and an informal you and because they're sort of good buddies you'd expect that they um, that they would use the informal uh, but they use the formal actually and so that was a kind of a bit of a weird thing I mean they call each other my friend all the time and I don't know how much this is a just a the filmmakers trying to make a point of it's Victorian England and it's really formal or 
or quite what, or whether... But they do meet up later in the story and give each other, like, three hugs in a row. I mean, it was yeah. very <laughs> comfortable, so... <laughs> yeah, they, they're clearly close, but they're still using this uh, this normally polite form. I mean, the usage has changed even in, in, in Russian since, uh, like, uh, Victorian times, so I think you would use the formal back then much more, so I don't know whether it's a commentary about... English people being formal, or it's a comment, or it's a commentary on that time period being more formal than hmm. our, our modern times. And I mean, it's even changed in Russia since the uh, since the Soviet period. Their kind of level of uh, sort of formality and and politeness. So yeah, I just thought I was one I would sort of drop in um, as sort of a yeah a, a, an observation or possible uh, deduction. I'm sorry, I really need to stop it with these. <laughs> These kind of uh, pun type things. Okay, so <laughs> in terms of yeah, so probably yeah. What what aspects did you like? Because you've kind of alluded to there being stuff that you enjoyed about this, but yeah. Um, the Henry Baskerville character was great. Oh, cool! You didn't, and you didn't even always need to know what he was saying just to kind of know a a good um a good character actor and a good physical comedian to some extent when they first meet and Holmes is just laying out the most monotone exposition he's like walking around the room and examining everything and interrupting and you can't take your eyes off him he's so fun <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting that you that you mention him i was really hoping we get to talk about him a little bit because he is a really really famous russian actor his name's nikita i believe that yeah his name's nikita mikhailkov um and he's most famous probably at least at least in the west for doing a film in the mid 90s called Burnt by the Sun which was about a, a red army officer who was like a hero in the Russian civil war in at the end of the sort of 19 teens early 1920s but you jumped forward to the 1930s and don't want to spoil too much but um, if you know 1930s Soviet history, you might guess that things don't necessarily go particularly uh, well for him. And he starred in that, and I think he directed it as well. And he also okay. he also directed um, 12, Dvinatsit, uh, which is a Russian adaptation of... Oh, 12 Angry Men. Indeed, yeah, exactly. I've heard of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's oh, a great okay. connection, yes. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I've I've really wanted to uh, to see that for a long time, and now I'm kind of saving it, as I hope I'll cover it on, on here at some point. But yeah, I'm really glad you liked him, because I enjoyed seeing him in a very different role from um, the way he is in uh, in um burnt by the sun right the the sh the movie i guess like the tv movie had generously maybe four pieces of music it mm. just kept rotating which i would just ascribe to it being tv and a tv budget sure but he had his own theme tune that would play and i think they were like i think they were doing the because he's from canada or america or whatever his theme tune was a little westerny a little guitar-y kind of so whenever he'd come in the room or be riding his horse somewhere or walking around or sitting in his house, they'd kind of play his theme song. I thought that was interesting. And then the other three songs were sort of interchangeable for the mood, I guess. Yeah, I, I totally missed that. So that's um, I, I now need to go back and, and rewatch it for that. Um, that totally passed me by. Um, about the music, I had very mixed feelings um, about about that. 
I don't know about you, but I love the, I guess, the main theme, which I think runs all the way through um, the Russian Sherlock Holmes series. Um, it kind of goes, da, 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 na, 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 um, that one. And yeah, I really enjoy it because it has that sort of grandiosity and pomposity and sort of confidence and brashness that I tend to associate with Victorian Britain. It's kind of strident and it's not music that I would necessarily, you know, enjoy listen listening to, but it really goes but it, works. it really goes yeah. with the story. And I think it really goes with Holmes because he is this at least in this version, this incredibly confident um not necessarily arrogant but certainly very very secure in his abilities um you you have Mm -hmm. a scene early on um uh, where this uh this client of theirs uh reckons Holmes to be sort of like the second best uh detective mind in the world and he's kind of like yeah right who's this uh who's this number one guy then um and he's a little bit he's a little bit miffed about that I mean he doesn't let on too much but there's just a little kind of huh um about him right um yeah in terms of the downside there was maybe this is what you were referring to but i don't i don't think so there was um a bit for sort of like more kind of sneaking about and sort of not exactly chase scenes but when they're following people it was kind of a an electric guitar and and bass in there and that was that was really kind of incongruous for me because everything else is so sort of victorian-y and kind of period period appropriate that it just felt like a yeah like a weird choice to me i wouldn't be surprised if we're actually talking about the same Mm. track and i think that may actually be uh baskerville's theme but because everything else did seem yeah his his was kind of like country-ish but yeah some of the some of the tunes were good some were fine but the problem is over that runtime you're gonna hear the same three songs over and over and over again just with spaces in between and they're going to play another one for a transition that was tough because <laughs> you start humming along you're like okay and that scores should blend in mm. i think a lot of a lot of people would argue that a, a music score should blend in and if it's your fifth time hearing it and you know where it's going i mean there's something to be argued in in film score for and playing a motif and then when you reuse it, you think of the same character again, for example. Or uh, if you play something that was happy now in minor, you think of that character in a sad time or something. Uh, but nope, they just play the same song <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, they, they should probably vary it up. I, I'm, I listened to your uh, episode on um, uh, one of the Sherlock episodes, and you talked about at one point they do a sort of like a dubstep version of (laughs) (laughs) of the of the main theme so it's kind of it's the same notes but just played in a very different way and it kind of yeah they've done something to vary it up right for comedic effect i mean that's that's yeah that's the point of that scene yeah 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 yeah. um i I guess you could say that does require you to kind of recognize the theme enough to to kind of get the joke but on the other hand it's kind of a slightly you know take it or or leave it thing if you're a fan of the show then you'll kind of go <laughs> and if you're just a casual watcher Doesn't you'll hurt. just kind of glide yeah. glide over yeah 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 um right so what else about the direction or sort of artistic choices did you just stood out to you uh, well the more i think about it the the problem is and i i think it ties in with our first half of the show but there's 
there's baggage with this series. There's expectation. I've literally seen this story done. So mm-hmm. the comparisons are going to be there. Um, and I think my problem is, is that, especially when I was reading these as a kid, Baskervilles in particular is like the Dracula of Sherlock stories. It's mm, that's a yeah good comparison. Like if I'm reading it, I picture it to always be at night, even if it's not. <laughs> mm. Like it just it's the the way they describe the moors. It's like the foggiest, scariest area. You could get lost out there. There could be wolves or you know murderers in every around every hill. Um, well, and you know, in fact, that there is. And yeah, definitely sure. one murderer out there yeah. so yeah that sort of hypes it it's yeah. got an old house and it's spooky and there was already one murder and people aren't as they seem and it the whole thing is this just this tone piece that this book was one of the scarier ones for me when i was younger and i avoided it because everything about it i, I mean i already didn't like dogs that could just be my thing but um <laughs> that this book wouldn't help uh, <laughs> right 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 and this whole thing is takes place during the day <laughs> with a lot of pleasant conversations uh and no tension <laughs> like <laughs> that was my biggest that was my biggest problem and and probably part of what was losing me uh you know the guy comes in at the beginning and asks Holmes for his help they show one shot of a well they show like a flashback of the people the person that died in the 1700s and then they show a shot of of this young guy discovering the body and then after that i i'm not scared for anybody i'm not worried about which one of them did it and what they're going to do if they get caught it's just sort of like a, a a casual romp through this this area and just kind of talking to these families and I don't want to be the one to discourage like a an experiment or a tone shift. Like if you want to do a, a lighter uh, Sherlock Holmes and make it more about characters and conversation than you know threats or danger, that's that's okay. Um, but honestly, for a lot of it, I forgot there was a mystery or a murder. Like I never, <laughs> I didn't feel like this 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 case was looming ever. And then all of a sudden at the very end, they go out on the moors and this dog comes out. But like this character, the the Baskerville character is supposed to be driven mad and be sitting in his home and and every shadow could be coming to get him and he doesn't want to leave his house. And him and Watson are being buddies and he's like chatting with the servants and he's getting drunk. And then Watson goes to visit somebody else. And there's no maintenance of pace, tone, like threat at all so for a lot of it i was just sort of enjoying the environment um and i will say that it was interesting kind of musing i don't know much about russian landscape at all but i could see what what they were trying to go for a kind of like scottish highlands look or you know rolling like the rolling hills of you know england whatever and i I was i was definitely curious for a lot of it what part of Russia is this? And, and, uh, is it their best approximation? Um, but yeah, that, that really detracted. I don't know if that makes any sense or if you felt similarly. Um, I think I was, I was also underwhelmed. I mean, I don't think to the degree it sounds like you were, and it probably came out in my 
rather imperfect summary. It's kind of, and now Watson goes here and talks to somebody for a bit. And now he goes over there and talks to somebody else for a bit. Um, yeah, it's, it is, as you say, uh, lacking in a, in a bit of tension. I think towards the end you do, um, or at least I got a bit more of a sense of the sort of atmosphere and, and threat. I think there's a couple of times where they're out on the moor or sort of outside in the darkness and you kind of hear the the howl and I thought that was quite good um and when you have the dog itself appear I I really liked the way that they did that but you know I've, um fair enough it is only kind of like a fleeting shot at the end um yeah I I think I guess I have because I I read Hounds of the Baskervilles later it didn't probably have the same the book probably didn't have the same impact on me that it that it did that it did for you because i was yeah much older reading it and there's a sort of a, an element about the story that's kind of slightly scooby doo-ish anyway you know it, yes. it was uh, <laughs> yeah. i would have i i would have got gotten away with it if it wasn't for that pesky uh, detective kind of thing right. um about the sort of the dog uh, ruse so i guess i guess it that's probably why I wasn't quite so disappointed by the sort of the lack of scares. But yeah, I can I can definitely uh, relate the uh, uh, the pacing. Well, and the... yeah, the, my my high bar for it was some real psychological trauma for the Baskerville character because he is meant to be like slowly driven mad. And isn't it a subplot like they want him to abandon the house so they can yeah take it um, over or something I... like that. I think so, and I th- think it might even be that Stapleton is somehow kind of tied in with the family, and maybe he's he's going to be be able to inherit it eventually. But right, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's the original Gaslight. I mean, that kind of idea. So my high bar is intense trauma, and can you believe what you see? I mean, I don't think it was a very good episode of Sherlock the show, but I mean, that kid was like suicidal <laughs> and losing his mind from visions of this this hound and someone trying to get him and stuff and they they do divert and make it a different ending so it's still fresh but so that's that's my ideal but i was also disappointed just on the base level of what i know about the forensic and detective genres in that Someone killed recently and could kill again, and I felt like no one in the story was addressing that. <laughs> they were all just having meals and drinking and hanging out, and I kept going like, "Do you guys actually think there's a killer, or are you just kind of doing due, due diligence to <laughs> to make it look yeah. like you're trying?" Because, <laughs> I mean, when when Watson and uh, Baskerville got drunk and kind of wandered around, I thought that was fun, and there were like little moments like that where I thought people were being fun or I liked, I liked watching the character actors sort of gesticulate and, and get offended or kind of yell at each other. Like that was what carried me through the story, but it didn't feel like a, a mystery at all. It just felt like a, a tour that ended with a, like a dog. <laughs> yeah, no, totally fair enough. And I think, um, you know, I talked about this not being a, a great choice in, in retrospect, a lot of it is the fact that um, Sherlock is AWOL and sort of off stage um, for, yeah, a good chunk of it. And one of the main 
sort of enjoyable things about um, any, usually any uh, adaptation of Sherlock Holmes is getting the the back and forth uh, between the between the two. So, yeah, I guess this was uh, this was sort of lacking in that in that regard uh, at all. I think I'm generally I enjoyed it more than it sounds like you did, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as good as I as as I was hoping. It was it was fine, but it wasn't yeah, it was it was nothing kind of groundbreaking or just like oh, I'm so glad I I saw that. I think I probably know the answer to this <laughs> this question, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> um but has this experience sort of totally scared you off this interpretation of Holmes and Watson or oh, would... what would, would I watch it would I watch another of theirs yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would assume they'd all have the same length right and and similar writing staff it's just <sighs> yeah I think some of them are more kind of like compilations of like the shorter mysteries okay. so they, they are sort of like they are I think the same length but they cover a lot more a lot more ground so there's probably a, a bit more of a sort of zip uh to them but yeah no worries that's that's totally fine i think i would if you swore up and down that another one like blew this out of the water and begged me to try it but like on my own i wouldn't like youtube tried to autoplay the next one and i was like nope <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to avoid that like a dark and <laughs> Ill- and uh, treacherous moor. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely curious to see the other ones. Um, I, I think I'm probably more invested in it being good. Um, so that's part of it. But yeah, I'd be interested in seeing. A lot more of of Holmes because I did find uh, Vasily Livanov, you know, very very watchable, and I was sorry that he wasn't in this more. I mean, I thought the guy playing Watson was fine, but he was sort of slightly, he was probably a, a bit on the grumpy side for what I'm used to seeing with Watson. I mean, Watson mm-hmm. kind of has sort of a hard edge when he sort of needs to, but I kind of imagine him being a a bit more kind of laid back and a bit more jovial but maybe that's not maybe that's more just adaptations that I've I've seen I mean I think the uh, Martin Freeman version has a good balance of being a rounded character like he he's fun and he has a sense of humor but he's also serious about the serious stuff if if that makes any sense right um so yeah I guess I would I'd really like to see more of Holmes but more of Holmes and Watson to see you know whether we'd see more of that side I mean we see a little bit of it at the beginning and end as you say but yeah um I should right. I should say though in case anyone gets you know the wrong impression or if they're curious uh, I don't regret watching this I- I'm glad for the experience I mean it was it was really difficult for a lot of it um there were all those inherent challenges I talked about but um you know if if it got trimmed down quite a bit and I got to just see the cliff notes kind of enacted in the dialogue mm. and kind of have some of the fun character interactions that, that were there. Uh, I wouldn't even begrudge the lack of tension as much or some of my other complaints. I would just say, you know, just enjoy 
watching the characters I like just kind of walk through and figure it out real quick. Um, so yeah, like I've, I've gotten in the habit in the last couple of years of trying to say, uh, I didn't like it, but it was a good experience because I think that could be a really important qualifier. Some things are terrible and really (laughs) poorly made. And I, I don't mind saying those, um, this wasn't poorly made. It just had like cultural hurdles, language barriers, um, you know, TV budget and TV shooting problems, things like that, that just, it's not their fault. And worst case, it's kind of fun to see, like, like we were saying how a totally different culture tackles a popular character. Um, yeah. and to see a little more of that character that I already like anyway. Yeah. And of course there's the issue of seeing something that's kind of intended to be seen, you know, I don't know, what the tv scheduling was for it but i'm I'm guessing one was on like one sunday night and then the next one was on the next week so you don't have quite that length definitely um yeah it it definitely as you said has a sort of a ponderous feel but i quite liked some of that but yeah for a mystery if that's what you're kind of expecting to get out of it i can totally see being being yeah slightly let down but i'm glad it wasn't uh, a complete waste of time and it sounds like maybe i need to go away and watch the rest of the thing and find one of the more sort of like short episodes and decide which one is the best and then say you should go and watch this uh this one yeah i would try uh, that sure okay uh, so i've i've got i've got some homework to do then uh <laughs> yeah but that's fine because i would definitely like to spend a little bit more time uh with the, uh these versions of, of the characters Cool. Well, thanks very, very much, Malcolm, for your very thorough and honest uh, analysis. But before you disappear, um, is there anything that you'd like to recommend to us? Uh, I don't have any specific plugs at the moment. I have, as I mentioned, I have sort of ongoing secret projects that are in the works. But you can always check out the network that I run and I'm a part of, comraderadio.com. And our Facebook group is healthy and friendly and really fun. Uh, that's just search Comrade Radio on Facebook. We have regular events and top five lists and silly games. And so come come say hi there. And then when I have something new on the horizon, it'll be the first place to see it. Also, if you've uh, enjoyed hearing Malcolm on this episode um, and talking about films, there's plenty more uh, of that as uh, as Malcolm's uh, old show. APOC Radio is is still available. How many episodes is it that you've got on there? Uh, I forget. Um, maybe so it was it was two years of or two years of every week, so a little over a hundred, maybe something like that. So yeah, many 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 hours. <laughs> and it's as I probably mentioned in the in the intro, it's it, it's it's very wide ranging in terms of the the films that they discuss. So kind of regardless of what you're taste in films is they will talk about at some point uh, some movies that you're interested in and i know certainly there's been films that they've mentioned that i've i've thought yeah i've always heard of that but they're doing such a good job of selling it that i will i will definitely have to go and check that out so uh yeah so that's what you should do with uh with apoc radio so yeah thanks very much uh malcolm it's it's been a really real pleasure um having you on this program and getting to do something similar to what you were doing with that so it's it's been great fun oh not at all uh, anytime this is great well thanks very much for for joining us folks and i hope to talk to you again soon das vidanya <laughs>
So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media, please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.